0: This podcast may contain inaccurate information, bad language, and spoilers. When you've been cooped up indoors and quarantine bites, it's time for Agony Art Lockdown Lights.
1: Welcome to Agony Art Lockdown Lights, the bite-sized Agony Art podcast in which we try to solve your problems, not using our own problem-solving skills, but instead by telling you how those problems were solved in the great art of our age and in the average art of our age. And when we inevitably fail to solve your problems, at least you're left with a fun reading, listening, and watching list to enjoy in your spare time. My name's Aaron. I am posing as a book expert. And I've got Carl, our fantastic film forager, and Liam, our meandering music maestro, here with me in our virtual studio for Lockdown Lights, Episode (gasps) 9. Say hello, lads. Hello. Hi, hi. How's it going? How are you both? Yeah, what? Yeah, not bad, not bad.
2: Nine lockdown lights in, that just shows you how long we've uh, been in custody. Mm. <laughs> yeah.
1: How are you, Al? Yeah, we've made it this far. I'm all right, you know, except I burnt my hand making sourdough. I was baking my sourdough yesterday and I accidentally touched the oven shelf at 220 degrees. And yeah. That's a lot of degrees. And it really fucking hurts. So I've got an injury today, lads. You two will be carrying me. We've been doing that for nine episodes now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, it's, it's an unspoken agreement, isn't it? That Aaron is basically the showrunner. If the worst was to happen, and Aaron did perish in an unfortunate smelting incident, <laughs> do you think we'd be, <laughs> be able to
2: manage without him?
1: you smelt your sourdough, Aaron? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When I'm smelting my sourdough and I accidentally perish, (laughs) it's a good question, isn't it? Like, we just kind of bequeathed Aaron, or I think he took it. He
2: took like lead host responsibilities, didn't he? No one argued. Yeah,
1: he shouted at us a lot. Liam, you're trying to cause a mutiny here, aren't you? This is basically (laughs) what's happening.
0: (laughs) I think it'll boost the ratings if we're seen to be fighting. (laughs)
2: if we have a feud I don't know I've got no interest in it I don't I don't talk well enough and I definitely can't edit and I definitely can't don't have the patience or time or you know inclination to do Aaron does so it's all yours are you quitting
1: Carl? (laughs) 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 I definitely don't have the time for this podcast anymore good day sirs (laughs) (laughs) oh well we can have a vote if you want Liam should we rotate hosting duties? But you should be aware that since I came up with the idea for the podcast, I've got three votes, and you two have got one each. <laughs> We've already
0: established that <laughs> Carl is going to
2: say no, so <laughs> I don't think I'm going to win this one. <laughs> yeah, I, I came up with a name, so then that leaves Liam, who brings nothing to the table—absolutely
1: so. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> well, last week we put it to a vote. Do the listeners want? the shorter format to be the standard format of Agony Art, maybe this week we'll put it to a vote on the Instagram. Should, every now and then, do you want Liam to host? (laughs) Carl will never host, because he refuses. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want it to be a rotation between Aaron and Liam? We'll see what the Instagrammers say, Liam.
0: It's going to be one of those moments when you realise how many people on Instagram dislike you. you (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) I Aaron.
1: I was gonna say it will be me finding out that people dislike me because most of our interactions come from your in-laws. So (laughs) yeah, we want more Liam, (laughs) (laughs) Liam and the (laughs) agony (laughs) artist. I just want to say that I really, really like Liam's in-laws. So you know, (laughs) I'd appreciate your votes, guys. Alright, so we'll see what the Instagrammers say. Before we begin solving problems for this episode, I want to make it very clear that we are not really here to solve your hardest problems. All of our submissions are certified, vetted, 100% trivial and or fictional quagmires. And our advice should almost never be followed. We're really only here to have fun. So if you're having a really hard time, please go to our website for guidance on... Who to turn to who's actually qualified, that's agonyartpodcast.com. Now, with that out of the way, let's get on with it. Here is our first problem of the day. My doctor recently told me I am overweight. I've been trying to diet, but I'm struggling to cut out the snacking. Can you share some motivational tips? So, uh, when I read this, I got a little bit worried to be honest because. People are going to think that we're um, fat shaming, and you know how worried Liam and I get about internet backlash. <laughs> so, just to make it clear, you can be whatever size you want to be, listener. You're beautiful, however you want to be.
0: And that is but, the advice if... that comes from <laughs> Megan <a> Trainer <laughs> <laughs> first.
1: Uh, I just want to say. But if it gets to the point that your doctor's warning you that you need to lose weight, you probably should listen to your doctor. Medical professionals are more qualified than Meghan Trainor. Go ahead, Liam. <laughs> so I'm
0: here to tell you that your medical professional is not qualified. No, of course I'm not here to tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Quite to the qu- contrary, though, there is advice coming from the music industry to embrace your weight and not to bow down to any fat shaming that's going on. And I've got a couple of examples here. So in 2014, Meghan Trainor released her unforgettable hit all about that Bass."
1: no treble,
0: exactly Uh, and she in which she preached the word of her mama who always told her don't worry about your size in the bridge megan sings i won't be no stick figure silicon barbie doll so if that's what you're into just go ahead and move along and i always thought this was quite a nice song i thought it gave quite a positive message about body image and about how, you know, the most important thing is to be comfortable in yourself and not have to conform to other people's standards of an acceptable body weight. But it turns out Megan got a lot of flack for this. Um, I don't know if you heard much about this, so Kevin O'Keefe reported this on on the controversy back in 2014 for Atlantic.com and he noted a few things that people weren't happy with. So there were some accusations of anti-feminism, largely because the justification for not worrying about your size was boys like a little more booty, which I can understand, to be honest. (laughs) I mean, I can understand understand the criticism, not understand the the booty. booty. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they call me so mix a lot. (laughs) Um, And there was also some shaming of thin women going on with the line, "I'm bringing booty back. Go ahead, tell all them skinny bitches that." Mm. Although. These criticisms didn't mention that the following line in which she said, no, I'm just playing. I know you think you're fat, but I'm here to tell you that every inch of you is perfect from the bottom to the top, which does change that slightly, doesn't it? So, yeah. So in the absence of a decent conclusion from Megan Trainor, I thought we'd look at a different song. Um, So I started thinking about, you know, what what songs do I think of when I think about issues with weight? And the first thing that came into my head was the Beautiful South's 1998 single Perfect Ten.
1: But she wears a 12.
0: Exactly. Keep a little two for me. Depicts a relationship between two people who enjoy a very happy and healthy relationship with an absence of the conventional stereotypes of beauty. And that would be my take home at the end of the day. You know, if your weight isn't causing you any health problems, as we've already said, if it is, then that's probably a different story. But if it isn't, then I would say your happiness is probably much more important than shedding a couple of
1: pounds. You've met your beautiful South quota for today as well. <laughs> <laughs> just, just Stevie Wonder Morrissey to come, and then we're done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As long as we can shoehorn the Smiths in somewhere, we're fine. What I take away from that Liam
2: is that Liam loves the bass. He's all about that bass. Mm. It seems
0: no treble. One of the other criticisms, which <laughs> made me laugh, was that someone was concerned that the about the misuse of the word treble and that it might confuse a new generation of people who use it in the wrong context <laughs> or something like that.
2: That really made me laugh. So is she saying That's that really skinny people are triple and larger people are base?
0: I thought, I thought base is like the booty, right?
2: Yeah. <laughs> I wish people could see what Liam just did.
1: <laughs> I love... The booty. (laughs) (laughs) Liam, stop twerking. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I think you're right, Liam. You're absolutely right. You should feel good about yourself. You shouldn't put pressure on yourself to be losing weight all the time. Just be happy in yourself. But if it does get to the point, as it sounds like it might be getting to with you, um, we haven't come up with a name for this person, have we? Let's go with Megan. Because... (laughs) We went with Megan Trainer for the first example. Yeah. If it does get to the point where your doctor is warning you that it's causing you health problems, then I do have a tip for just losing a little bit of that weight so that you can get back to your happy weight. And as we know, it's all about calories in, calories out. Now, you can snack as much as you want if you're doing enough exercise to counteract it. You're burning enough calories to burn all those snacks off. Now, I've got a tip for you. Angry White Pajamas by Robert Twigger is a book that I've actually read. Here's an agony art first. We need a
0: siren for this, (laughs) don't we?
1: (laughs) Liam, can you do a jingle for when Aaron's read a book? (laughs) (laughs) Robert Twigger is a non-fiction book. He took the same intense martial arts training course that the Tokyo Riot Police take. And it's weeks on end in, like, a gruelling regime. They literally, like, break bones and, you know, bloody all their clothes. And he went through it. He forced himself through it. It was, you know, there's points, obviously, at which he's like, shall I just drop out? Because this is literally gruelling. It's the hardest thing I've ever been through. And he forced himself all the way through it. And it's a good, it's quite an entertaining book. It's not like a gruelling book to read, either. It's an easy read, you know, about what, sounds like an incredibly hard course of training and my advice is read that book and maybe you'll think to yourself I could do a training course like that and then suddenly you're doing so much exercise that the snacks don't matter anymore and you're actually losing weight just because of your exercise regime but try not to break your bones because that's a health problem in itself I've heard speaking of breaking bones um the art of film can be (laughs) the art of film (laughs)
2: <laughs> the booty.
1: What is this art of film, Carl? <laughs> Tell us more. Well,
2: 127 Hours. Um, directed by Danny Boyle. Didn't write it down. 2010. There we go. My date's got mixed up because it's based on a book from 2004 called a Rock, Between a Rock and a Hard Place.
1: So have you seen this film? No, but I've always wanted to. It's always been on my list. I say I've always wanted to. I've always wanted to have seen it. <laughs> <laughs> but I've never wanted to watch it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like I yeah. don't want to go through that, but I wanna be able to say that I've seen it and so talk about it. It won't be like The Matrix where you say Yeah, you just download it into your brain. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's the one where he gets trapped and has to cut one of his own limbs off, doesn't yeah. he? To... Yeah.
0: I have seen it. I had no idea it was directed by Danny Boyle. Yeah.
2: And um It's a true story. I saw this at the cinema with my wife when it came out. It's a bit brutal. We kinda of knew what it was about but didn't know like what it all Climax to necessarily, mm. but um, it's about um, Aaron Ralston. As I said, true story. In April two thousand three, uh, he goes hiking and like not the hi- not hiking like I would hike, but like climbing around rocks and stuff in Blue John Canyon. And um, particularly, he's climbing through a slot canyon, uh, mm. which if you can imagine, it's like very narrow gaps um, in the ground, like um, a canyon. <laughs>
1: would we say that? Arsal Canyon is a slot canyon. That was Arsal Valley, isn't it? But um <laughs> yeah. I think, I think slot, We eventually yeah. got to Arseul Canyon though, didn't we? Oh we did, yeah, you're right. Yeah. I think it would be a slot canyon, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, tight,
2: narrow space.
0: <laughs> and and you probably would cut your arm off to get out of there. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: All right, good. I'm glad we clarified that. Carry <laughs> on, Carl. <laughs>
2: so he's climbing about. He loses his grip and falls, knocking a boulder over, and he traps his right hand and wrists against the wall. And the film is essentially, the bulk of it is watching him trying to get out of this situation. So he's got a penknife handy. He, he does a lot of things really unbelievably with one arm so like um he uses um a little pen knife to try and scratch himself out so he manages to get his pen knife out of his bag he creates a pulley using his climbing rope to try and lift the boulder um eventually he's there for a number of days totally in 127 hours and i I would usually say stuff happens but in this case nothing happens Uh, he has, has to drink his urine because his water runs out. Um, eventually, he knows that the he realizes his big mistake was he went out without telling anyone where he was going or how long he was going for to a place that no one really goes to. So he that's quick- why you always leave a note. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he actually very quickly stopped yelling for help knowing that there's no point in doing it. And so, yeah, it comes to the, the crux of the matter is his arm's stuck. If he wants to survive, he has to get out. So he uh, fashions a tourniquet from his camelback tube and then he uses his little pen knife to amputate his own arm. And there's a bit in it where he breaks his own bones to make it easier to get through. And then the most terrible bit of the whole film is he gets to a point where there's like a nerve or something and he pulls it out and then he cuts it with a pen knife and you feel when you watch it like you oh like you shudder with like oh my god can you imagine that when i was younger
0: i had no problem with scenes like that at all mm. but nowadays i don't know if it's an age thing i just cannot oh, I they really make me go Ugh. i'm
1: yeah i'm getting more and more squeamish like yeah. <laughs> Just scenes of surgery in films as well. I'm starting to go, no, nah, oh, I don't want to watch. <laughs> you see, see your, your elbow, like not the bony bit, the other side.
2: Like feel the right hand side of that. And you feel like it's something there that's like, can you imagine cutting that off?
0: I don't even want to think about that. <laughs> oh, oh.
1: <laughs> So, hang on. Oh, I hope your suggestion isn't yeah. <laughs> you can easily lose weight by removing one of your limbs. <laughs> it is, well, isn't it? it Where could else be. could this be going? <laughs> so, um, he cuts his arm off,
2: uh, he frees himself, and then he actually abseils down a 65 foot cliff face, one arm and a one arm cut off, uh, finds some other hikers and gets helicopter to a hospital and during the end credits it's revealed that he gets married, has a son, still goes climbing but always leaves a note. What's the point? I hear yeah. you cry. <laughs> cut your arm off. Is that um I know you, I know you're struggling to motivate yourself, but if a man can cut his own arm off to do what's necessary <laughs>
1: Perhaps <laughs> you can too. You've, you've been reading from Liam's book of reaches. <laughs> <laughs> if that's not motivation, I don't know what is. No, that's fair enough. I suppose <laughs> find your motivation by trapping yourself in a place with no fridge. Or <laughs> trapping yourself between the fridge and the wall. <laughs> no, because then they'll eat their way out. <laughs> Um, I think we've, yeah, I think we've covered a broad spectrum of advice there, Um you can exercise more if you want to lose some extra pounds, you can find your motivation, uh, I don't know how you're finding your motivation according to Carl's advice, but, because <laughs> the motivation that that guy found was thrust upon him by a boulder. Uh, <laughs> Speak to some boulders, see if they've got motivation for you. Or and... you could imagine that a boulder
2: is rolling towards you like in uh, Indiana Jones and get you out running away from it.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. There you go. Yeah, I think
0: if this was one of my s- stretches, the way I'd spin it is, you know, if a man can cut off his arm, then you can do anything. People are capable of anything and you should take inspiration from that.
2: That is the gist of what I meant, yeah, but I probably didn't convey yeah, it. Yeah, I enough. think that's what Carl
1: said.
0: I thought, I thought you were literally saying you can cut off your arm too. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: well, I think well, we let's... should
1: wrap up before anyone, before anyone actually thinks we're advising self emptation <laughs> um, um, What you have to remember, listener it, Megan, is that unless it's causing you actual health problems, don't be pressured into just losing weight for the sake of it. Do whatever makes you happy. Every interview is perfect from the bottom to the top. Can you help me
0: with my problem? I think that it might be a long shot. My problem is you see that no one believes that I am not a robot. Executing procedure. Problem solving.
1: Right, let's move on to problem two as quickly as we can. I got a bit overexcited when lockdown lifted, and now I've got a speeding ticket that I really don't want to pay. Have you got any tips on how to get out of it? Slow down? got it now. Touch wood, I've never received a speeding ticket. Have you, Liam?
2: I don't think so.
1: Have you, Carl? I've currently got a clean license,
2: but I've had... Um...
1: <laughs> That's a very political
2: answer. (laughs) (laughs) But I've done a young driver's awareness course, two speed awareness courses. (laughs) Um, I've had three points dropped off, six points dropped off. Yeah. (laughs) So Yes. (laughs)
1: I have fucking hell
2: Carl mm. for context Carl
0: usually drives me to the in-person podcast recordings I might be driving myself in future
1: <laughs> have you ever felt in fear of your life Liam
0: actually we did have a near-death experience when Carl was driving once we did didn't we I, don't he was <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember what we were listening to it was some west coast rap song And Carl took the opportunity to stop looking at the road and turn to me and start wrapping one of the lines. And then we nearly hit another car.
2: (laughs) (laughs) This was probably 20 years ago now. Yeah. Actually, is that possible? No, it wasn't. When you were 10. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) when you were 12.
1: (laughs) Made that
2: 14 years ago. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm I'm actually, um, I had the realisation last time I've got um, a speeding ticket that. Because when I, when I say speeding, it's like three or four miles an hour over the limit. And it's just pointless. Mm. So I don't do it anymore. Oh, well, I'm more well, aware. it's not of what pointless because I mean. you got six points
1: for yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> the points are stacking up, yeah. But it's life pointless, <laughs> where if
0: you get a pointless answer, it's better than getting six points. <laughs> yeah, that's true, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: so I don't, I don't condone it. All right, have we got a, a name for this person so that we can anonymise them? Carl? Um, <laughs> Carl, yeah. I, I was going <laughs> right, to say Carl. I was going to say the flash
0: because they're faster than the speeding bullet.
1: <laughs> flash, flashy car. <laughs> flashy car. I've been called that before. <laughs> <laughs> well, flashy Carl I don't recommend evading this speeding ticket. To be honest, because I've seen far too many examples of how hard life is when you're on the run from the law. Now, a book that I really enjoyed was Killing Pablo. The Hunt for the World's Greatest Outlaw by Mark Bowden. It's about Pablo Escobar, who you might know. He's a famous figure. Now, as we know, Pablo Escobar did a little bit more than just evading a simple speeding ticket, but he's still a valid example, I think. Now, if you don't know who Pablo Escobar was, he was a world flame, world-flamous? <laughs> World-famous drug lord and narco-terrorist which is a word that I hadn't heard before I started reading about Pablo Escobar, who was worth $30 billion. Billion with a B by the time he died. And I think I remember reading, I couldn't find this again now, but I think I remember reading that he had so much money that a lot of it was buried in barrels around Colombia. And many of those barrels were discovered years later with the cash rotting inside. So it was wasted in the end. And he was not only incredibly rich, he was also not a very nice man. He basically killed anyone who dared to oppose him and even offered cash rewards to people who killed police officers and judges and stuff. And he was so powerful that he was able to negotiate his way into a specially built prison when he eventually did give himself up. And that prison featured a football pitch, a bar, a jacuzzi, and I think they shipped in... New entertainment for him each week, including sex workers. So, it sounds like Pablo Escobar was living the life, right? But no. The vigilante group, Los Pepes, were out to get him. Um, and the US authorities were constantly oh, on his tail. Just to Go interrupt on. you, I'm in the middle of narcos, so I'm going to take my headphones out for a minute. Yeah, you take your headphones <laughs> out. <laughs> <laughs> so, the Los Pepes were out to get him. The search block were dedicated to bringing him down. So on 2nd of December 1993, he was killed in a shootout with the search block. Do you want to live a life like that? Constantly on the run, constantly looking over your shoulder, not knowing who can, who you can trust and having to learn Spanish so that you can get by in your specially built Colombian jail? I don't think you do. I think you should read Killing Pablo, The Hunt for the World's Greatest Outlaw, and you'll learn that life on the run is not that fun.
0: Hey, that's a rhyme. And everyone knows that the best advice always rhymes.
1: Comes in through. rhyme form, yeah. <laughs> and my other example is Han- Hannibal Lecter. Oh, i just a, watching that at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> he's an example of someone who's being chased and someone who's chasing bad guys. In Red Dragon by Thomas Harris, he's a murderer trying to go about his daily life without being caught. And when he gets found out, he's got to get all stabby to try and escape. And then, in Silence of the Lambs, also by Thomas Harris, he's been captured, and this time he's assisting the FBI in capturing a new serial serial killer, Buffalo Bill, friend of the show. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then in Hannibal, also by Thomas Harris, he's on the run again. So even being Hannibal Lecter, life isn't easy. It's not good to be on the run. It's not a relaxing, easy life. So I think you should just pay the speeding ticket and get on with your normal not. Outlaw life.
0: We've been watching a lot of uh, Line of Duty recently. Oh
1: and... God, I'm on
2: season three, episode one. <laughs>
0: Are You serious? <laughs> we're on. Uh, we're, we're we're bang up to date. We're on season all right, I'll six. Tell you that. <laughs> well, I wasn't. I wasn't going to spoil anything. I wasn't going to spoil anything. This is a good
1: say... way to get Carl out of the episodes, isn't it? <laughs> Although, Carl, I have. I have invented just want you to ask list of what I'm watching. <laughs> <laughs> My next example comes from Lost, Series 5. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I watching um, so many things? That's a fair
2: question.
0: Um, I have invented the Line of Duty drinking game. I don't know if Agony Art wants to be associated with that in any, in any way, but I'll, I'll send it over to you, Carl, if
1: you're interested.
2: Yeah.
0: Um,
1: <laughs> I love drinking. What's the, uh, what's the concept?
0: Um, Basically there's a set of things that are pretty standard in every series and you just have to drink when they happen.
2: He was killed in the line of duty. Drink.
0: So, yeah, so that's that's finish your drink, basically. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um,
2: I'm only interested yeah. in Ben coppers.
0: <laughs> so anyway, yeah, so we've, we've been watching a lot of it recently and that that's taught me that the number one way to get out of any criminal charge is to demand immunity from prosecution in exchange for informing on the real villains. Especially if the informing involves police corruption. So, you could try that. Why not? Give that a go. <laughs> if that doesn't work out for you. What if... <laughs>
1: what if um, <laughs> what's that got to do with any Carl. <laughs> <laughs> what if Flashy Carl doesn't know any bent coppers? <laughs>
0: then they could not do that. <laughs> and they could take note of the uh, 1960 The Crickets song. Is anyone familiar with The Crickets, by the way?
1: I definitely know one of their songs. They were, yeah, I think they've got a famous one, haven't they? Yeah,
0: they were Buddy Holly's band, um, before yeah. before he died in 1959. Um, but after he died in 1960, they released a song called "I Fought the, um, the
1: Law." I law fought won. the law and uh, the law one.
0: Yeah, it's the same song. I had no idea this was written in 1960. I thought it was written by the Clash. So that shows what I knew about this. Before so I did I? It. Yeah. Um, it was written, in fact, by Sonny Curtis, who was a member of the Crickets. Sounds like Flashy Carl. Maybe they're friends. (laughs) So listen to your friend Sonny Curtis, Flashy (laughs) Carl. And it was later covered by The Clash in 1979, which I think, at least definitely in the UK, I don't know about the US, it's it's probably the most popular version that people have heard. And the message is very simple and it's repeated many times throughout the song. So basically, it's a a bit of a story about a criminal who starts off robbing people at gunpoint and he ends up breaking rocks in prison and the message is, I fought the law, and the law won. So what I'm saying is, you might just want to accept your mistake and pay the fine. Don't fight the law, because you won't win.
1: We've got two votes against evading this speeding ticket. Carl, are you going to buck the trend?
2: I am. Um, I've got four ways of trying to get out of sticky situations from film. Um, oh, first, shit. The first one <laughs> is from Liar Liar, and this is actually one of Aaron's party tricks. He knows this off by heart. Where um, he gets pulled over
1: by the police. He says, I sped. I followed too closely. I ran a stop sign. I almost hit a Chevy. I sped some more. I failed to yield at a crosswalk. I changed lanes in the intersection. I changed lanes without signaling while running a red light and speeding. 100% right. Well done. Ah, Good job. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, Aaron, you used, you used to be a massive Jim Carrey fan until relatively mm. recently. I don't know if we spoke about it on this on the podcast before, but have you taken mm. any efforts to stop remembering so many facts and quotes from Jim Carrey? since you stopped being such a (laughs) mega fan.
1: um, Is there a date at which I stopped being a mega fan?
2: Mr. Popper's Penguins, I think, was the date.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It probably is, yeah.
0: Um, uh, I thought it was when you watched the making of Man on the Moon.
1: (laughs) Well, That's true, yeah. Jim and Andy on Netflix persuaded me, maybe I don't want to idolise this person. Not that I (laughs) idolised him in the first place. I was never trying to be Jim Carrey. All this reconstructive surgery that I've had that <laughs> makes me look like Jim Carrey was just coincidence. You're the Which only person I you? know with a green face.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, so you could try that. Just like be uber honest and maybe they'll say, all right, you can get out of it. From Point Break, Patrick... Bo- uh, no, sorry, Bodie, the character, played by Patrick Swayze, he's kind of found out by Keanu Reeves, who's an under- undercover agent, trying to infiltrate their gang, who are robbing banks, but also they... They're a gang of surfers. It's a bit weird. There's not many FBI bank-robbing surfer films out there, but this is one of them.
1: And um... <laughs> it's in. It's definitely in the top five bank-robbing FBI surfer films. It's definitely yeah, no <laughs> doubt, unquestionable. <laughs> um,
2: and at the ending, pretty much, Keanu Reeves is like, "I'm gonna pull you. I'm gonna to have to take you in." A little bit like we talked about in Fast and Furious. Keanu Reeves is kind of like. I was
1: just thinking. This
2: sounds exactly like Fast and yeah, Furious. It's exactly the same one. Keanu Reeves is kind of like. Oh, you know, I kind of like this guy. I want to be a surfer bank robber dude. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> Patrick Swayze or Bodhi, <laughs> before he gets arrested, he really wants to ride one last wave. And um there's a really big <laughs> one out there. <laughs> and so Keanu Reeves lets him. And uh, this is Harry persuading him. He says, "Look at it. It's a, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity, man. Let me go out there and let me go. Let me get one wave, just one wave before you take me in. I mean, come on, man." Where am I going to go? Cliffs on both sides? I'm not going to paddle my way to New Zealand. Come on, compadre. Come on.
1: So you, <laughs> so you could try that. Yeah. Uh, does he, it, I thought you were going to say that he dies doing that. I so believe he, he does, like, actually, Yeah, He does. Really? And um, Keanu Spoilers. Reeves
2: throw, throws his FBI badge in the sea. Um, <laughs> and then it's it so washes back up at his feet. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I can't escape this life. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great film. Um, Jack Sparrow, famously played by Johnny Depp in Pirates Caribbean. He's um, also an honest kind of crook. He goes, me, I'm dishonest. And a dishonest man you can always trust to be dishonest. Honestly, it's the honest ones you want to watch out for because you can never predict when they're going to do something incredibly stupid. So just say, you know, I did it, whatever. But, you know, I know what I'm doing. I'm I'm in control of the vehicle. And the last one isn't trying this is a a callback to a previous episode blues brothers uh Jake blues is caught by his ex wife who's been trying to kill him for the whole film throughout the whole film as we discovered <laughs> it is a crazy film and so she traps him in a sewer with a machine gun it might be a flamethrower one. <laughs> i thought she has
0: a bazooka at some point as well
1: she does have a bazooka at some point as well, yeah. <laughs> when my life my, when my wife listened to uh, the your description of blues brothers in that previous episode carl she went what the fuck is this film <laughs> <laughs> and the more i hear about it the more i agree with her <laughs>
2: yeah actually as Lou said um, she shoots their phone box with a bazooka and it goes like 200 foot in the air and then they survive and <laughs> collect all the quarters off the floor. But, um so this is how he tries to get out of her killing him. He says, oh, please don't kill us. Please, please don't kill us. You know I love you, baby. I wouldn't leave you. It wasn't my fault. I ran out of gas. I had a flat tire. I didn't have enough money for a cab fare. My tux didn't come back from the cleaners. An old friend came in from out of town. Someone stole my car. There was an earthquake, a terrible flood, Locusts. locust. It wasn't my fault. I swear to God. <laughs> So just throw throw the kitchen sink at the policeman, you know? Just uh,
1: say it all. (laughs) And she doesn't kill him. It works. (laughs) So pretty much all of those examples were talk your way out of it. Yeah. Try and... Yeah. I like that idea. Yeah. Yeah. The trouble is, though, you can't talk your way out of it if you got caught by a speeding camera, can you? Because the camera will just stand there and watch you. You (laughs) You can what? (laughs) You, You can go to court. You get a letter through... Let's see. I know. Oh this. yeah, and then you can, <laughs> <laughs> and then you can uh, appeal to the judge, mm. the judge's uh, sensibilities. What's, yeah. And what's then you the can... point,
0: though? They just surely they just show the speeding camera evidence, and then you go, oh yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. So Liam and I are saying, um, don't try and fight the law because the law always wins. And Carl's saying, don't fight the law and don't go on the run, but try and talk your way out of it. Sweet talk. And that's very you thing to do, Carl. You're a charmer. You charm your way out of a lot of things, yeah. I would say, and you charm your way into things as well. I know that your wife has issue with you charming waiting staff at restaurants and <laughs> places like that because it gets you better service, I, I think it's fair game. Good for you, Carl. job' you know is something something always sticks in the memory where um, we had
2: like a a party in. Uh, my nan and granddad moved out of a flat and they still had the keys to the old flat. So we had a party in like, the empty flat. And one of the neighbors came down and said, Oh, I'm going to go and tell them. And I remember like just like, kind of going, like, Oh, just don't tell them. Come on. Like they said. And then he got to my nan and granddad's front door. And I said to him, Look, have you never been young? Girl, we're having a good time. Come on. And he was like, And he stopped and went home. And I was like, I can't believe <laughs> that I did that.
1: Like, what? What a mug. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe what we should do for Flashy Carl is just hire Agony Art Carl out to him <laughs> so that you can talk his way out of it. <laughs> uh, have we got anything else for Flashy Carl before we sign off for this episode? Yeah. Don't speed, is dangerous.
0: Do drive responsibly.
1: All right, that's, that's all we've got time for today. Check out the episode notes or agonyartpodcast.com to find links to all the media we mentioned today and for a link to the Agony Art Spotify playlist where you can listen to most of the songs. If you have a problem you'd like us to attempt to solve, you can reach us on our group, Instagram and Twitter accounts at agonyartpodcast or on the submissions page on our website. I would like to thank our resident agony aunts for their contributions. Thanks, Liam. Thanks, Carl.
0: Thank you. Talk,
1: And thank you for listening. We'll be back next week, probably, with more problems to muddle our way through and more entertainment for you to check out. See ya! Bye! I don't know um, Norwegian for bye. Bye!
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I'd suggest keep it light, cause their advice can't be shite and they won't be held liable. liable. Oh no, not at all. Not here, but agony are agony
1: are
0: agony are.